I hated the nickname. I hated it. Let me say that again. I hated my nickname. I got made fun of because of my name. I, I used to, Mom, you name me Charles, call me Charles. Use my government name. Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History Season 5. Trey Wingo here with you. Delighted once again to be partnering with my good friends at Mercedes-Benz as we have great conversations with great athletes talking about the things that they had to overcome in their life to achieve their dreams. Speaking of dreams, thanks to my friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans, I've had the perfect dream fulfilled of finding the best way to get to the golf course, get everybody to a tailgate, or just get the entire family out of the house. Look, whatever your dreams are, Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans can help bring them to life. This week's guest is Charles in Charge, although you don't know him by Charles, you know him by his nickname, Charles Peanut Tillman long-time defensive back for the Chicago Bears and the inventor of one of the greatest moves in the history of the NFL, the Peanut Punch. Peanut, on a scale of 1 to 10, what, where would you rate your competitiveness right now? Oh, uh, I'm still a 10. I think when you're <laughs> when you're in the league and you play as long as most guys have or want to play or play 12, 13 years, yeah, yeah I, I think it remains a 10. I'm still a 10. Okay, so with that in mind, I got a question for you. Can okay. you name the five cornerbacks that were taken before you in the 2003 draft? Uh, I can name a couple of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nomney. Nomney was one. Yep. Uh, Newman was one. Terrence yep. Newman. Correct. There was a guy from, oh, uh, Sammy Davis. Sammy Davis? Yes, I, that's the one I, I wasn't sure you were going to get. You, you only got two left. Yeah. I know Sammy. Um, there was a guy from Oregon State. I don't Washington know his name, State. though. Washington State. Washington State. Oh, oh, oh. Marcus Trufant. Trufant. That's exactly right. There's only one other one. He went to Oklahoma. That's what it was. It was Oklahoma. And it wasn't uh, yeah, Oregon yeah. State. That was a safety. Yeah. I'm thinking of yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, I don't know. Andre Wolfick. Yes! That was what it was, yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that because I think once you're sort of in that arena, genre, that never leaves you, right? That competitive edge never leaves you. Never. It, it never leaves. Uh, I didn't know any of those players in college. I didn't know how successful they were in college. But I do know that it was kind of a, a motivator yeah. to see all those guys go in front of me because when we went to the combine <clears> – <throat> I mean, my times were just as good as theirs. Technique, yeah. speed, height, uh, vertical jump, broad jump, you know, everything we did. I was I was like top three, top four, you know, uh, in, in just about every category. So when guys were going ahead of me, I was like, man, I what? Nah, I, OK, I'll just <laughs> I can guess I can show you better than I can tell you. I mean, I know I went to a small school, but yeah. I can I can show you better than I can tell you. Well, listen, your career certainly uh, bore that out. And we'll get into your career in a little bit. But I always like to talk about the journey yeah. uh, on, on this podcast. And, and your journey was legitimately a journey. I'm talking to you in Chicago. You played for the Bears. Mm -hmm. You were born in Chicago. So a lot of people are like, oh, look, hometown guy. That could not be farther from the truth. You Correct. were a military brat. Yes. You went to, what, 11 different schools, right? 12 different schools, yeah. 12 different schools. Jeez. Growing up. What was that like? 
it was fun. Um, I I enjoyed it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I enjoyed it. Um, it's I was kind of born into it, so yeah. I thought everybody, you know, you're young, so I and all my friends were military brats, and it's two, three years, and you move and you go somewhere else. Two, three years, you move, you go somewhere else. So I was used to that. I thought that's how everybody kind of grew up. And I remember coming to Chicago one year to visit some family. And um, I think I was in sixth grade or fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. And I was like, yeah, we're, you know, my dad got a job. We're going back to Germany. And they're like, Germany? I'm like, well, yeah, you don't, you've never been to Germany? They're like, (laughs) "Uh, no, I haven't. I'm like, well, why not? For me, I thought it was weird when someone just lived in the same town their entire life. They went from kindergarten to eighth grade in one school, and then they go to high school in another school. Like two schools, that's it? Like, you know, everyone in this same Smallville, USA, to me, I thought that was like the weirdest thing ever. You were a foreigner if you did that. I thought we were the normal kids who traveled all the time. I thought everybody traveling, their parents lived in Europe. I thought that was the, the, I thought everyone did it. It is interesting, though, because it does give you a different perspective, right? Like when I was a kid, we lived overseas for a few years and then we then we moved back. And I I know that it, it made me look at things differently than kids I grew up with. 1000%. Um, I learned about culture. I learned about Jewish people. I learned about Nazis. I learned about European history. I learned about what a schnitzel was and Jaeger schnitzel. Like I just, I learned about, I learned about culture. You know what I'm saying? I learned about Heineken beer. Yes. (laughs) I just, I learned all these cool, I learned about, I just learned just culture. And as, as a kid, I think that's, um, especially today with like race and everything. Like, I think it's very important to learn about, uh, culture, uh, as a kid and just European history and just, if I'm living in this area, I learned about that history and I, you know, it, it, it taught me something new. It taught me to appreciate, okay, well, okay. I didn't know Germans do this. Now, now I have a better understanding of who they are and what they do, you know, because I'm living in their country uh, I'm in their environment, so yeah, I'll try to learn some of their language. I'm in their country, so it's only it's only right. Yeah, let me try to learn. You know, let me Spreken Sie Deutsch. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I suck at it, but I tried it. I attempted it. So yeah, I think those things are very important. And I think just the attempt, whether or not you're good at it, is is the is the thing, right? Try new things. So how hard yeah. was it for you to try to find football? Going, I mean, you eventually graduated from high school in. in in Texas, Coppers Cove, right outside of Houston. Yes. Um, but when did you latch on to football? When was football the thing that you thought, oh, all right, I might be good at this? So I've always loved football. I mean, football is my first love. Yeah. And I think, and this is not to sound cliche, maybe I was about five or six. We were in Chicago. I don't know who the Bears were playing, but I remember looking at it kind of like, oh, my God, that looks like it's so much fun. And – you know, kind of, you know, kindergarten, learning about money. I'm like, you can get paid for that? Like, yeah. I, I want to do that. I want to do that one day when I get older. <clears throat> and I remember telling my grandmother, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy you a Lamborghini. I'm going to play professional football. So from that point, it started out as just me as a kid saying I wanted to do it. Yeah. And then in about, I don't know, the third or fourth, well, I'd say about fourth or fifth grade, 
I was playing football and I blocked my brother and this kid named Warren. I dump, it was just like a double pancake. Yeah. And I got both of them. And I remember saying like, dang. And I almost see no short little peanut. I blocked yeah. them and it's like, dang, I'm I'm kind of good at this thing. And then once I got to uh once I got to high school, I was 15. I was on varsity, newcomer of the year, you know, second team all district, you know, then I started just it's like, yo, I, I got a shot at this football thing. Like, I'm pretty good. And um, my dad had just got out of the Army going into my senior year in high school, and he wanted to move to Dallas. And I I seriously had to have a – for the first time in life, I had to tell my dad I did not want to move schools yeah. because the chances of me going to a new school my senior year, yeah. I knew our playbook, I knew our system, I knew our coaches – Whatever coaches had already scouted me, they would have to. I would have to get relocated. You know, I might not play because another coach they have their favorites. So, um, I had to persuade my dad not to move when he retired. And um, I don't know why, but I must have did a hell of a job because he listened. Uh, and the point I really tried to make was like, look, I can't afford college. Yeah. I know you can't afford to send me. Um, I can get a scholarship. I'm doing everything I can to get this scholarship. So just believe me, trust me. I'm going to make this thing work. Just, I need you to just give me a year. Give me one year. If we move to Alaska, I'll go with you. But just, I need one year to show my worth to these colleges so they can see me and I can just go to school. And he, he waited. He listened to me. Well, it, it clearly paid off. Uh, your your career was yeah. one for the ages. So, uh, by the way, I know the story, but you just said I was just a little peanut because you've told it to me before. Tell everybody how you got the nickname. Yeah, so my, my dad's oldest sister, Renee, um, just small kid, small baby. Uh, you know, it was like a five-pounder. And, you know, once I came out, um, I just, you know, my Aunt Renee was like, he, he looked like a little peanut. I had, the, you know, the <laughs> peanut-shaped head, peanut-shaped body. Yeah. Just real small, real small kid. Uh, I didn't really start growing until high school. Yeah. You know, I was one of the late bloomers, really late bloomers. And I hated the I hated the nickname. I hated it. Let me say that again. I hated my nickname. Um, kids are kids are little jerks. Kids yeah. are mean. Kids are cruel. I got made fun of because of my name. I, I used to mom. You name me Charles, call me Charles. Use my government name. Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Peanut, get your butt over here. And then I'd probably say once I got to about high school, you know, you start getting interested in girls and girls is like, oh, that's so cute. You got that cute name, Peanut. Yeah. I like that. Hey, Peanut. I was like, hey, hey, that's my nickname. Keep calling me that. So, yeah, once I got to about high school, I, the lady started calling me Peanut, and I was like, you know what? This Peanut thing ain't that bad. This Peanut thing ain't that bad. Motivation comes in many forms, and uh, you you have to yes, recognize it, it. You have to recognize it when it happens. Okay, so you're you're a, again a second round pick out of Louisiana Lafayette. You go to the Bears. Was there a moment early in your rookie year or practice, you know, preseason training camp, where you said, "Hey, I think I could be really good at this level." Yeah, uh, just really going right into it. I just, I've, I've never really set the bench. I've never really come off the bench, only in basketball. But football, I was always the guy on the field, and I, I, I wanted to be there. And I knew I would have to prove my worth once I got there. It's like high school, you got to prove your worth. 
you get to college, everyone's half your team is good in college. Then you got to right. start at the bottom, prove your worth again. Okay, then you get drafted, go to the league. You got veterans who did everything you did, and they're there, and they've already been proven. So you got to prove yourself yet again. And I knew I could do that. I knew. And Alex Brown tells the story the best. When I got drafted, he's like, who the hell is Charles Tillman from Louisiana? Who? Olin Krutz still doesn't recognize my school. He still calls me <laughs> the University of Louisiana at Chattanooga, Mississippi, Tennessee, Lafayette, Monroe. Yeah. Like, he still doesn't recognize me. So I knew going into it, I had to prove myself to uh, to my teammates and – I started at the bottom. I played every special team except kick return because I just got pancaked. I was terrible at it. Yeah. Um, I still remember Coach Sweatman yelling at me, God dang it, Peanut, <laughs> what are you doing? You suck, you know, yeah. but that's another story another time. Yeah. But I just I had to I had to start at the bottom all over again. And by about the fourth game, um, I they saw my worth on special teams and I started in our nickel package. So I only came in on third down, but I had PBUs that already had a forced fumble. So they were just like, yeah, put them in. So the literally my very first game that I started, um, it was against Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. Jeez. That was, that was my first, (laughs) I know that's an indoctrination. That was the first game I ever started. And I remember, um, my, my position coach at the, at this time, Vance Bedford, don't be mad at me for telling this story. We walk over in the weight room and he kind of says, Hey, and he had like a stone wall face, yeah. right? He was like, Hey, you starting this week. You going against two future hall of famers, Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. Now don't be in there effing up. <laughs> and then he just walked off. That was, and so I had the Kevin Hart face like, uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then as soon as he turned that corner, I was like, ah, got on the phone, called my dad, you know, called all my boys like, yo, I'm starting this week against Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. Yo, it's going to be crazy. Now, I'm not going to lie. Lining up against Jerry Rice, uh, being a football fan, the first game you ever start, I saw Jerry Rice and, and – I got a little starstruck, like, you know, like, but I had to contain it though, Trey. Like it was, right, I had, right. I had to contain it. But when you're a kid and then you, you, your, your first game ever, you're going against Dre Rice. So yeah, man, that was, uh, that was cool. That was cool. I won't say though, I played, I, 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 I did my thing, but by yeah. him being Jerry Rice, he got the call because he was Jerry Rice. Yeah. You know, I got like maybe two PIs and my coach even said, he's like, look, that's Jerry Rice. You ain't gonna never get that call. You just Charles who? Yeah. yeah. That's they don't you not even peanut. You Charles, uh, I think your last name's Tillman. Yeah. The, you yeah. ain't gonna never get that call. So but it was it was a good game. We won. Yeah, it was yeah, I I'll never forget that game. It was yeah. Listen, a, great a lot of a lot of people feel that way. I remember Merrill Hodge once telling me uh his first preseason game uh when he was with the uh when he was with the Steelers, they played the Bears. And he waited until the end of the game just to go up and say hi to Walter Payton and asked him for a jersey. Before you know, the jersey swaps were a thing, like he was as starstruck seeing Walter Payton as I'm sure right. you were seeing Jerry Rice in the flesh for the first time. Yeah, it, it's – man, I so I get more excited when I see Hall of Famers. Um, yeah. 
I was doing some stuff for Fox uh, a few years back when yep, the Super Bowl was in Houston, and I saw uh, Jackie Slater, and we were doing a little show. I was on a little Facebook thing, and he he like walks over and he says, "Peanut." I was like, "Oh man, that's that's Jackie Slater." He, like, how does he? How does he know my how does he know my name? And then he spoke to me, you know, dat me up, you know, I was just like, Oh my wow, oh god, that's that's so cool. And then when Brian um Erlacher got inducted to the Hall of Fame, um Tracy Perlman took me backstage and we we're talking about some some future NFL things and I saw Willie Rope and like they all were like, Peanut, what's up, Peanut? Yeah. Bruce Man. I was like, yo, <laughs> these are Hall of Famers, they know who I am. I was scared to take a picture with Rod Woodson. Yeah. My friend was like, that's he's like, go take a picture. I was like, I can't, man. That's Rod. Like he the <laughs> he the goat goat. Like, go take a picture. I was like, I, I can't. So I have the picture of me and Rod Woodson at Brian's Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I was like, I was so nervous. I literally I took the picture like this. <laughs> like it's and every time I look at that picture, I laugh. And people always say it's like but you're Peanut Tillman. Like, you're on – I was like, I, I am, but I'm like, that's that's another level of royalty as it pertains to football. Yeah. Like, that's – ultimately, that's where I want to aspire. I want to go there. I want to be in that Hall of Fame. Yeah. I want to be in that that ultimate uh, Hall of Fame fraternity. But those guys, like, I don't know why. I just – I just – I grew up watching those dudes, and I, I think it's I think it's the coolest thing, man. I really do. And I try not to bother them, so I just – yeah. Hey, how y'all doing? And I just I keep it moving. I really do. No, I, I get it. I mean, that's why I love going to the Hall of Fame every year. You see those guys, and I'm always stunned that some of them know my name, you know. So I, I totally, totally understand that. But you mentioned PBUs and, and a couple of fumbles. Like, I don't know how many people in the NFL can make the claim that you can make. There's a thing named after me. Like everyone's doing it now, the peanut punch. Right. Punch out the ball. You were like the originator of that. How did that sort of come to you? So I started doing the uh, the peanut punch in college. We played uh, um, we played Wolford College one year, and this is when I was playing safety. And they run like some triple option. I was free safety. Nobody ever blocked me, so I just ran my lane. I had 20 tackles that game. And my defensive coordinator from high school happened to be there, Rodney Southern, and he said, man, if you would have just – you know, like slap the ball or you could have had seven or eight forced fumbles, man. You could have just, you know, ah, okay. So being the intuitive guy that I am thinking outside the box, I'm going to just start punching the ball out. So in college, I would purposely take bad angles because I was fast enough and I would let a running back or a ball carrier get in front of me and I was fast enough to run them down, kind of not really choking, but grab them from the back and then punch it out that way. Did that all through college. Um, fast forward getting to the league, everybody is fast. So I, I don't yeah. think I'm, I might have got cut. So I, I had to switch up my technique. So rather than letting them get behind me or take a bad angle, I just figured, you know what? I'm going to just punch it out when he come near me. And yeah. the very first game I played in San Francisco, old candlestick. Uh, yeah, I don't know who the guy was, but ran up to him and just – I just punched it out. Got got my uh, got my first got my first first forced fumble, and you know, forty three fumbles, forced fumbles later, I just kind of I figured it out. It just kind of it kind of just took from there.
it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, you mentioned you shorted yourself one. I think you have 44 plus 38 picks. Um, so tell you what, why don't we take a quick break here? When we come back, we'll talk about uh, the craziest season and the craziest game I still remember to this day and the rest of your career. So we'll take a quick break. Come right back on Half Forgotten History with Peanut Tillman. Hey, whether you want to be a BMX champion or start your own business or just commit to being a van life influencer, as you should, a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van makes it real. It's got innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. Plus, it's a Mercedes-Benz van, so you can expect amazing performance and reliability. It's built so you can focus on what really matters to you, your dream. Head to your local Mercedes-Benz van dealership and get that Sprinter today. All right, back with Charles Peanut Tillman on this episode of Half Forgotten History. So let's fast forward now to 2006, because that was the year, that was the craziest year in Chicago football I can remember. You guys were rolling, everything was going your way, and then you play that Monday night game in Arizona against the Cardinals, and you guys were undefeated going in, and somehow you find yourself down 20 to nothing to the Arizona Cardinals on Monday night football, and you guys find a way to come back and win with, what, two two returns for scores, a punt return for a score, and you win that game 24 to 23. And for those that don't know, this was the game that gave us the infamous Denny Green quote, God rest his soul. They are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. If you want to crown them, crown their ass. How crazy was that game? It was a lot of, uh, it was a lot, of, it was an emotional game. It was roller coaster. Uh, I think going into it, you know, we're, we're undefeated, 6-0, 7-0, whatever the record was at the time. Um, we felt like, yeah, all right, let's let's just go play. And then they started going up, and it's like, all right, hey, let's 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 do something. Where, and then the offense kept turning the ball over. We kept letting them score. And I remember going in at halftime. Olin Cruz gave like the best speech ever. You know, it was it, he was better than Ray Lewis. You know, and he's like, yeah. hey, we're gonna win this game. I promise you, we're gonna win this game. We're gonna go out there, do what you got to do within the rules. But I promise you. We will win this game. And I think the offense or, or the defense was the only ones that actually listened to him. Because <laughs> we we went out there and was like, yeah, let's do what Olin said. Yeah, okay. And yeah. we just turned it up another notch. Uh, Mark Anderson with the forced fumble. Mike Brown, he recovered it. The scoop and score. Brian went crazy. Had about 25, 30 tackles that game. He forced the fumble. I scoop and score. You know, Devin, what else can I say? The greatest returner yeah. in the history of the NFL. You know, he takes one back. Robbie Gold, uh, you know, makes the field goal. I mean, what? Yeah. I feel bad for the people who actually were watching the game and then they turned it off and woke up yeah. the next morning when they watched SportsCenter and was like, wait, they won? Oh, man. Yeah. Like, you, you, missed a, you missed a really good game. Or the people that were there and they started just like, ah, this is a blowout. I got to wake up early. I'm I'm just going to go home. This was a waste of money. I feel bad for those people who didn't actually get to witness that uh, live and in full effect because it was that was some football history. And it was I'm glad I could have been a part of it. And I'm glad I scored on Monday night. That was kind of cool, too. 
Yeah, of course you're going to score in a game where they're where they're fumble returns. Like I remember, we did we did NFL primetime after that game. You know, we had the whole thing set up. We had to blow up the entire rundown to fit everything into that game because that <laughs> game was so incredibly nuts. Like we were there at like three o'clock in the morning. So thanks very much. We yeah. stayed very late because of your, because of your comeback. But you know, it, it's funny because what you just said sort of epitomized that entire season. Like the thing I remember about that season for the Bears is that game and this from Lovey Smith. We're ten and two. Rex is our quarterback. You know, everyone was 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 always trying to get Rex Grossman out of the starting lineup. And Lovey was just preaching, we're 10 and 2. Rex is our quarterback. We're in first place yeah. in our division. I mean, that thing is drilled into my brain forever. Well, that's I think that's just Coach Smith, though. That that's him. Yeah. Um I think the Chicago media can be brutal. But yeah. with him, he was even killed. You know, he was playing, in my opinion, he was playing checkers the whole time. And they would try to rattle his cage. And just, you know, being the good Christian man that he is, he just was, nah, it's Tuesday. This is what we do. Brian, you know, Brian's <laughs> going to do this. And nah, he's our quarterback. And like, he just, he was even kill with everything he did. Now, when he got around us, yeah, it was a little different story. I, I think he could kind of let his guard down. But media-wise, he was just – you weren't going to get anything extra out of him. You know, he's the – yeah, he was – he's the black version of Bill Belichick. Like, he's just <laughs> he's just stone, stone face. Just you're not going to get nothing out of him. I don't care how much you say or how much you pressure him. He's got a little bit more personality than Bill. You know, yeah. but he, you're not going to get too much out of Coach Smith. You just well, his beard is it, fire right now. By the way, the Lovey Smith beard is incredible. Yeah, he's like, uh, uh, was it Gandalf the Gray? He's uh, yeah, Gandalf yeah. the Black. He's, yeah. It's it's amazing. <laughs> I, I like that thing. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's 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 cool. It, so that season ends up, you guys get to the Super Bowl, and I, you know. You couldn't have asked for a better start. I mean, Hester returned. Like, first of all, Tony Dungy said all week for the Colts in Super Bowl 41, we're not going to kick to him. We're not going to kick to him. They kicked to him to start the game. Hester takes it back to the house. It's a pouring it, – that's the worst weather Super Bowl of all time to this day. Super Bowl 41, it was yeah. a r- pouring rain the entire time. You guys get the lead to start. You think it's a muddy field against the Colts who play indoors. You had to think, oh, we got this. I did not. So I remember uh, Ohio State played Florida that year in the uh, <clears throat> in the national championship game, and Ted Ginn Jr. took the opening kickoff back. Yep. He ran it back, and this is when they had Chris Chris Leaks and uh, uh, Tebow. Yeah. And I thought, um, to me, it reminded me of that same game. So when Devin took it back, I was like, okay, this is just like Ohio State Florida. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Let's just, you know, they got Peyton Manning over there. They got yeah. damn Marvin Harrison over there, two Hall of Famers. So let's just, hey, let's just, it's, it's, it's a whole lot of emotions. It's a lot of up and down. And I remember going out there and we had these wristbands. We must have had 40 defenses on this wristband. And we ended up wearing this wristband and Corpus Vera called a play. We look at it, hey, 22-22, we look at it, you know, signaling to your safety what play it is, and there was a miscommunication with one of the plays, so it was a busted coverage. Danielle Manning was playing another coverage while the rest of everyone else is playing a different coverage, and it was just a communication error, and man, Peyton, he sees the moment on that, and 
you got Reggie Wayne running up the sideline wide open. Wide open. And I remember running to the field like, where, uh, damn, they going to think <laughs> I messed up and I'm on national television. They going to think this is my fault. This is not cool, you guys. Not cool. So I remember running, walking back to the huddle saying, hey, y'all said 22, right? Just yeah. trying to make sure I didn't do anything wrong. And it was just it was just a busted coverage, you know, bad communication. And um, you know what, Trey, to this day, to this day, I have yet to watch that entire game all the way through. I've seen clips here and there, but every time I watch it, it's like it, it that one traumatized me to this day. I have yet to watch that entire game because I get so freaking mad that I was I was so close to getting a god darn ring yeah. and I, I didn't get it. And it just oh, my God. Hurts, hurts to this day. I still get mad. It's funny you say that because that was going to be my next question because I've talked to Robbie a lot, Robbie Gold, who obviously was the kicker for you guys that year and yeah. he's one of the best to ever do it. He, he says he's still not over it. Like he's he In his mind, he told me I should have two rings. I should have one from that team and I should have one from the 49ers because we let Mahomes back in that game and we did some stuff that I wasn't I wasn't cool with. So like it never leaves you, right? What like I, I always say no. I, I always say it's worse to lose – I, I think it's worse to lose in the championship game than it is to lose in the Super Bowl because at least you you had the opportunity, right? Like I think losing on championship Sunday is the absolute worst because you're so close to getting that chance and you don't get there. Yeah, and I'm I'm reminded by that. So I've lost. Yeah, I've been in that situation too. We let uh we let Green Bay off the hook in the NFC Championship yep. game. Was that 2010? You know, which yep. we should have we should have went to Soldier the Super Field. Bowl. At, at Soldier, Soldier Field. Field, we should have went. We should have went to the Super Bowl in 2010. We lost in 06. Um, I should have another ring in 2015 with uh, with Carolina when we went 15 and one for the one. regular season. Yeah, yeah, like it's yeah. I haven't even watched that game all the way through. Like it's just, yeah. it's painful. It hurts. It's it. You are absolutely right. It still hurts. I miss it. I'm just asking myself. I don't know what it is, but. You know, that damn Peyton Manning, man, he got me twice in two Super Bowls. <laughs> he got with me two twice. Two different in, teams for him and two different, two two different, different teams, teams for you. Yeah, not a big Peyton Manning fan right now, especially as it <laughs> pertains to Super Bowls, man. Like, he's just funny guy, but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm over it now. I just, uh, he got me. He owes me two rings. Really, he does. That 2010 NFC Championship game will forever be known as the Jay Cutler game, right? Because there, everybody's mm. questioning how hurt was he? What was like? What were you going through on the sidelines? I remember Brian got up there and said, "I'll defend my after the game." You know, I don't want to hear any of this. But that was that was the conversation after that game. Was he hurt? Wasn't he hurt? What was going on there? So, I don't. I can't. I'll never talk about another man's injury because I don't know how tough a guy is or. Yeah. If he's tough enough to play for it, because I've had my fair, fair share of injuries. Some I've played through, some I couldn't. For that game, I just was, I was disappointed in execution because it was such, it was such a winnable game, and yeah. I gave everything I had. I put my heart and my soul into that game. Um, I sacrificed a ton, like a lot of other guys, and I hope that the injury was real and he couldn't have gone through it. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jay Cutler with uh, with his attitude and personality and things like that. That's, I mean, you could, if you want to be that way, that's 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 one thing. But 
what I ask from you, what I expect from you on the field is giving me everything you got. Yeah. And if we got that that day, uh, only I, I think truly only uh, only he can decide that. And if he didn't give us everything he had, shame on him. If he did, hey, I'll accept it. I'll take that. But but it's interesting, right? It's still a question in a lot of people's minds. It is. I think it's a question because of just Jay's personality. Uh, yeah. I think if the shoe were on the other foot and I got injured, I've seen – I think my teammates know me. My teammates have seen me pay. Uh, my teammates have seen me play through pain. Yeah. You know, they've seen me play with a dislocated shoulder. They've seen me play with a herniated disc in my back. Like they've seen me struggle and and come back and just put it all on the line for them. Uh, maybe they haven't seen Jay do that, so maybe that's why a lot of people kind of they kind of question that. Yeah. By by the way, the smoking my Jay, take on the, the smoking Jay Cutler theme is the greatest thing of all time. I'm sure you've seen it, right? Oh my God, it looks yeah. like him. Yeah, with the the cigarette in his mouth the whole every, time. Every yeah. situation it looks like the cigarette is supposed to be there. Like whoever created yeah. that tip yeah. of the cap. That's the that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen on the internet. It is absolutely fantastic. They're a damn genius. <laughs> absolutely, they are, they're they're genius for that. It's, abs- it's hilarious actually because yeah. it looks so real. It's like damn. Every picture they use, he really looked like he could be smoking a cigarette right now. <laughs> it's one of the, it's one of my favorite I, things. I, out I there. actually like it. Yeah, I um, might have actually liked a couple of them. They were funny. This show, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans, who help people achieve their dreams. And you really, Peanut, had a dream career: multiple Pro Bowls, got to a Super Bowl, didn't win it, but we won't dwell on that. And then, of course, Walter Payton, Man of the Year Award winner as well. In your entire career, what's the thing you're most proud of? Uh... Man of the year, because I didn't go out and strive to 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 get that award. My my goal wasn't, you know what? I'm gonna win man of the year this year. Yeah. It just kind of it just kind of happened organically. And you know, with success on the field, um, I tried to have success off the field in the sense of just kind of giving and helping people out. My journey, as we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, man, like I. I had a lot of influences in my life, a lot of people that have helped me uh, get to what you see right now. I didn't just come out and just I was a successful person. Like I had a lot of failure in my life and I had a lot of people pour um, pour into me. And there were times where I, I, I got off my path and made dumb mistakes, did things when I was, you know, young, high school, college. But people had enough that they saw something in me when I didn't see it in myself. And those people kind of, they, they helped me out and put me back on that path. And I'm forever grateful for them. We all have, I mean, shit, life's life's hard. It's yep. harder when you're stupid, right? Exactly. Right. And I've, I've done dumb things and these people, they, they help me out these guides and I've recognized them, whether it be parents, uh, uh, extended family, coaches, principals, teachers, like they they really helped me out, and I was in a position when I was playing, even now, um, just doing the right thing and just being a good man, having great character, and really just trying to help other people who might have made some mistakes or done some dumb things or whatever. They just need, they're in a bind. They need some help and assistance, and just you know, just trying to help those people out yeah. because people did it for me, and a combination of that off the field and then the on the field, and then having i don't know it's what 1600 guys in the league and they only pick one person for that award yeah like i was i was blown away um 
by far one of the ugliest faces I ever made when Roger Goodell called my name out when I won the award. I was just like, I was like crying and I just, you know, I, I just was, uh, I was a mess, but I was, I was so grateful, man. I truly, I was, I was, I was just so grateful for, uh, being recognized for just doing, for just being kind to people, you know, it's, I don't think you deserve an award for being kind. Yeah, you could certainly use a lot more of that uh, in, in the way things are going in the world today. Uh, all right, let's take our final break and come back and talk about what Charles is doing post-career, which is absolutely fascinating. Coming right back with Charles Peanut Tillman. Hey, welcome into our new weekly segment, Trey's Trends, presented by Caesar Sportsbook. Now, Caesar Sportsbook is the greatest sports betting app of all time, people. Why? Patience, I'm about to tell you, because Caesars makes everyone feel like an emperor. When you place your bets, win or lose, you earn more with Caesar Rewards. Dining, getaway, stays, so many perks. Now, let me explain what that means. You see, in our world, Caesar isn't the only emperor. You see, if you check the spelling, there is no apostrophe in Caesars. Why is that? It's because everyone who downloads the app is treated like an emperor. We are all Caesars. Caesar Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards, which means win or lose, you'll earn reward credits with every single wager. Redeem those credits for sports tickets, dining, getaways, and more. Presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. Here's a little sneak peek in what you can learn if you watch Trey's trends on the Caesar Sportsbook social media and YouTube channels. Some information that might help you out when you're deciding where to place your money. Look, no AFC teams have clinched a playoff spot, making this the first time since 2002 that the AFC will enter Week 16 with no teams having clinched a playoff spot. That sets up a pair of colossal division games this week. And we start with the 8-6 and six Bills traveling to Foxborough to take on the 9-5 and five Patriots with the AFC East title hanging in the balance. New England starts the week as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Why? Well, Bill Belichick does have a 36-7 and seven record against the Bills, including that Monday night win week 13 where Mac Jones threw all three passes, the fewest in a game since 1974. That's why. Every team in the AFC North has either seven or eight wins. Sunday, the Bengals are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home over the Ravens. Now, each of the last four meetings between these two has been decided by 24 points or more, including that big Bengals win 41-17 in Baltimore in Week 7. That loss started a 3-5 and five stretch for the Ravens, which wasted their 5-1 and one start out of the gate. Find more of Trey's Trends at Caesar Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube with new episodes dropping every Friday. 21 or older, 18 or older in D.C. must be located in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Minnesota, Nevada, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah and other states where it's prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, call or text TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Copyright 2021, Caesars Entertainment. Coming soon to New York, gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine. All right, back with Charles Peanut Tillman on Half Forgotten History. So your post football career has been fascinating to me. Now, do I have to call you like officer, detective, 
No. What like like you're you're a legitimate FBI guy now. What I can say while we're on camera and this is being recorded, I do work for the FBI. Um I do some pretty cool stuff. I work for a really great organization. Um the people I work with, my squad, they do some they do some really cool stuff, man. You know, obviously the first priority is uh, you know, just you know, protecting uh, the citizens of this country, defending our constitution, and I, I really enjoy that. And a lot of that comes from just my dad being in the military. Uh, I thought my dad was GI Joe. My dad was like roadblock from GI Joe when I was a kid. You know, tall, yeah. bigger, bigger black guy, bald head. That was that was my dad, and I I I so wanted to be my dad or my whole life. He was my hero. He was my real life GI Joe, and if football had not worked out for me, I was just going to join the Army. I'm, I'm going to be like my dad. I had a, a blast doing what he did. And then once I got to college, I told myself if I didn't get drafted, um, I'm just probably going to go join the military. I'll just go in as a uh, an officer, and I'll just be an Army guy and make a career out of it. Well, football worked itself out, and uh, sure 13 years later, I said, well, when I get out um, – I've always wanted to do uh, law enforcement. I'm just, I'm too old for the army. I'll just do law enforcement. And um, I always like to be a part of the best and FBI being the best uh, law enforcement agency uh, out there. I, I, I started that process and yeah, they, you know, I, I went through a, a, a series of tests and I got in just like everybody else. I'm sure there's some people out there that think I got, this job because of my name but it's super highly competitive i went back to school um i got my master's degree while i was still playing just to kind of make my resume look a little sexier um took some other classes did a couple of other things to kind of be you know on the higher end and yeah yeah i i like it man i, I love what i do uh i work again i can't stress enough the people that i work with man i, I work with some really cool people and we do some we do some really cool stuff behind the scenes and it's not about getting the glory and, you know, being on TV, you know, I'll, I, I will gladly chip in and, and, and help out and do my part, but I don't need the big story or the credit or anything like that. I prefer, yeah. we prefer, I myself just kind of, I just, I'm just, I'm the guy behind the scenes. Yeah. Are there parallels in being a part of a football team that you can relate to being a part of a team in the FBI? Oh uh, yeah. I, I think it's just, um, we're, we all have the same mission, you know, let's, let's protect this country. Let's go get, uh, the bad actor, the bad person. And, um, you know, let's, let's, let's come home. Let's come home safe. You know, we all have families, you know, that's, that's probably the, the, pro the priority is just, you know, coming home safe to your family every night. And so thus far, you know, we've, we've been able to do that. And I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with, you know, this next chapter in my life. And then, I'm pretty sure there'll be another chapter in my life and I'll, I'll be, I'll be doing something else. Yeah. I know you can't give away details of what you do, obviously, but has there been one thing so far on the FBI side that you felt like, wow, I really felt like I made a difference today. Uh, yeah, I could, I could say that just with casework that, uh, that I've been a part of, I felt like, uh, the end result was uh, was pretty good and the outcome of, you know, certain things not happening anymore in this particular spot or area. Yeah. 
I can uh, I can say I, I felt good and you know I was a part of something good that that uh that that possible well, I was gonna say possibly that saved some lives yeah. so yeah I'll say I was uh I'm I'm happy with that I'm glad that I was able to assist and just be a part of that and the best part is you you you'll you'll never know I was a part of it you never know I I, I did it and that's that's how it should be yeah. always always a defender whether on the football field or in his post football uh, life Charles Tillman hey Peanut listen I've enjoyed watching you play. I, you know, we got to do a lot of stuff together at Super Bowls with our affiliation with USAA and other stuff and the appreciation for the military family. I just I always thought you were a cool guy and I loved watching you play. And I, I sincerely hope that one day you will be in that elitist of elite fraternity and I'll get to go to Canton and you'll say my name. And I'm like, cool, that Hall of Famer knows who I am. Yes, sir. Well, I, I hope that day comes sooner rather than later. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your show, man. This is a lot of fun. You got it, brother. Be well. So once again, thanks to Peanut Tillman. What a great story and what a great dude. I've enjoyed talking with him over the years. And sadly, that's going to do it for season five of Half Forgotten History. But children, relax. Season six is already in the can and ready to roll. More great stories with more great athletes and the things you need to know that I know and they know that you don't know. So thanks for watching season five, and we'll see you in season six. And thanks again to our friends over at Caesar Sportsbook. Remember to visit Caesars.com to see if sports betting is available where you live.